Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. Good morning. Wow, y'all are all excited to be here, huh? Good morning. Come on, you're in a gym. This is church. It's all right. You can be loud in here. I, I, I don't, before I became uh, uh, and went into ministry and God called me into ministry, I was a middle school PE teacher and coach. And so I, I coached uh, middle school football, basketball, and track for uh, many years. And I loved what I did. And what I really loved is I loved basketball. I love coaching. And I like football. I like the sport of football. I like coaching it. But with seventh and eighth graders, really, you're teaching them how to put on their pads and managing to make sure everyone gets in the game, all 100 and whatever of them, so you don't don't get an email from their parents saying, my kid didn't get in. I was like, I know. It's crazy. I'm trying. So, uh, but basketball, I love, because you could coach them at basketball. They had some sort of context and some sort of... um, they were just ready. And so it's funny because uh, Shay's dad, my, my father-in-law, he's a basketball coach. And I've just, I've, I've come to love basketball. And so coming in this gym and they revarnish the floors um, <clears throat> just at the end of the year. And so you can smell the varnish. And, and so some people are like, is that toxic? I'm like, no, it's good for you, right? They used to do it at our school. And then we'd have those middle schoolers running through the gym. And so um, it's just, it just feels good. So I love being a basketball. So yesterday, uh, my daughter, she had her first basketball game. She's a fourth grader, and she had her first basketball game. And the, I, the, I'm helping coach their team, and Shay was just laughing at me because I was way too into it. In a good and positive way, I'm like yelling at the girls. I'm like, you got this. Way to go. Shoot the ball. Rebound, go. You know, and I'm getting all into it. So all that to say, it's okay to be loud in a gym. Like you can say good morning to someone. You can clap your hands. There's no judgment. So anyways, thank y'all for being here this morning. And thank y'all for doing church in a gym. This is awesome. And I love this. I know there, it's just, there's, there's all these things that come with being a mobile church that makes it really hard. But there's something really sweet about it, that this is, this is who we are and this is where we meet and the, the funny thing is the church that used to be in here, in the, they met at the YMCA, they met here for 10 years. They met here for 10 years in this YMCA. And all of our load in, load out team and guys are like, man, 10 years? I don't know if I got 10 years in me of setting this thing up. But they met here for 10 years and they moved out. It's, it's City View Bible Church. It's a wonderful church. They're, host, they're letting our D now meet there. I mean, it's been a great partnership. Their pastor, Keith, is a wonderful guy and a great friend of mine. We have friends that go there. It's a great church. And so interesting, you know, they've moved into a building. And when you move into a building as a church, you blow up, right? Because people want that. They want to come in. They want it to be nice and comfortable and the light's right. And, you know, it's half our lights. Gary gets on to me because these are out. So he wants me to stand over here, but that's too bright. So, but he said that once they got into a building, that they, man, it's blew up in the church. But the people that did the YMCA for 10 years, like, man, I miss the Y. Like, I miss being in there. I miss that space. I miss all the setup and tear down. So it's sweet, and it's a blessing that we get to meet here. So thank y'all for doing that. Thank y'all for being and saying yes to, to being a part of a church and part of a body that does this. It's awesome, and I love it. And so thank y'all for doing that. That has nothing to do with this morning. I'm just feeling it. So um, 
With that said, uh, we've been, we started the year of 2020. As I said two weeks ago, 2020 sounds like the future, and so I feel like we're living in the future. Uh, and we, we've been in this series called Flourish, Flourish 2020. And um, this is, uh, if you're new here this morning, or you're a guest, or, or you've, you're new to Vessel the last few weeks, I want you to know this is a great time to be here and to really kind of catch the vision and to see who we are, what God is doing, what he's calling of us as a body of Christ, and who he's calling us to become. And so <clears throat> this is really for us as we came out of not just the, the first couple weeks uh, of the year, the first week of the year, we talked about kind of this being our vision for this year, is that God's calling us to flourish. And as we came out of 2019, we were finishing up the year, God really put on our hearts of the leadership that, that he was calling us to flourish. And we read out of Psalm 92 about what it looks like for God to flourish and for us to flourish like a palm tree or a cedar of Lebanon. And then last week, if you were here, we focused on missions. Uh, and we had, uh, it was a really, I just loved last week. It was just amazing. I was just blown away by the Lord and how good he is. And we sent out a missionary and um, she is going to Jordan and she leaves, today's the 19th, she leaves tomorrow for the Jordan, for Jordan. And she's uh, going to be a missionary there. And uh, we, we just, we did a commissioning for her and prayed over her and sent her out. I mean, it's just, it was so sweet to be able to do that. And just about how, talked about John 15 and how God calls us to, to be a branch. And, and he has this image of this vine, how Jesus teaches his disciples that you, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And how God wants us to flourish and bear fruit and bear more fruit and bear much fruit and to go outward, right? A vine grows horizontally and how that means that we get to be involved in missions, to send missionaries out, to be involved with, we have a Spanish-speaking church that's upstairs, to be involved with SCA here at Hernandez Middle School, to be involved with Haven of Love, um, which is a prison ministry that, that we get to be connected with. And it's just amazing, you know, the things that God gives us the opportunities to be connected with and to serve with and to support financially and how God's calling us to flourish in that way. And so as we continue this idea and theme of flourish, this morning we're talking about our own faith, our own faith. And so uh, we're going to be reading out of Ezekiel chapter 47. And so as if, if you would turn to your Bibles, Ezekiel 47, uh, pull it up on your phone. Or if you need a Bible and don't have one, just raise your hand. And we have some over here on our guest services team. We'll bring that by. And I would love for you to read this scripture with me in Ezekiel 47. And this is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. And as we read through this, I really want you to think, I want you to be super selfish this morning, right? I want you to think about yourself. I want you to think about where your relationship is with Jesus, or your lack of relationship with Jesus. And I don't say that in any sort of judgmental way. I say that in a real, authentic, genuine way. And just where you see that being. And just to really consider what that looks like for you. And then for us as a church, like what, what is he calling us into as a church? How is he calling us to flourish in our faith as a, as a, as a specific body of Christ? And as I was thinking about that this morning... And this week, and we start worship, and I just see, uh, I see Jessica uh, as she's leading us in worship, Jessica Wright. And, and man, it's, it's funny that when you think about someone flourishing or growing, it's always easier to see it in someone else rather than seeing it in you, 
You know what I mean? Like you see someone, you're like, man, they're, they're growing, they're flourishing. I've seen them mature. I've seen them make such you know, significant movement in their life or whatever it is. And that was Jessica for me this morning. It's just as she's leading. I'm so proud of her. I remember when she came. Yeah, amen. <clears throat> I mean, when she came and she uh, it starts serving here and, and playing bass for us, and she was just this... She's trying to hide back behind her base, but it's like impossible to hide when you're six foot tall and you're gorgeous and you're talented and you're gifted. And man, how she's flourished by, by being so faithful to serve this church. So thank you, Jessica. It means a lot. And I just, I see that in you. And I want you to see that in all of us. And the Lord's watching our lives and he's watching what's going on. And he sees these things in us. And it's hard to see it on ourselves. And I want to give you permission to have grace and for yourself this morning. As you may be thinking, man, not me, right? Sure, Jessica, you know, she's over there in the corner playing bass. And now she's leading us in worship. And I've seen that. But how could it not me? I've been struggling. Man, my life has been dry. I've fallen back into sin that I've been in before. Whatever that is, I guarantee you, Jessica feels the same way as we all do. We're broken people that need God's grace every day. And so as we get in this Ezekiel 47, I just, uh, again, I love this scripture. I love it. I love the imagery here. And um, I, I may have taught on this before because it's one of my, you know, top 10 favorite pieces of scripture in all of the Bible, but it's this beautiful imagery. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of context. And so if, you, if you're a Bible whiz and Bible nerd and you know all about Ezekiel, forgive me here as not all of us are, are there. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context, what Ezekiel is. Ezekiel is a book in the Old Testament. Uh, it's a, he's a major prophet. So at the, at the end of the Old Testament, is, there's uh, books of prophets. And what a prophet is, is a prophet is just someone that, um, that has insight into the, the future or into spiritual reality given from the Lord, okay? It's a, it's a God-given gift, and God uses prophets in the Old Testament to speak to his people, to speak to, to his church. And so um, <clears throat> Ezekiel is a, a major prophet, and there's no, like major and minor is not better or worse. It's just, it's literally the length of the book. So the, the major prophets are any, any books of prophecy that are longer than 14 chapters. I know you're really interested in that. And anything else that are less than 14 are minor prophets. So Ezekiel's this prophet. And um, this week, as Shay and I, uh, we went on a little trip this week. And, and so she was reading through. I asked her, I said, hey, babe, I want you to read through this Ezekiel 47. And just tell me what you think. Tell me what you find out. And so uh, it's this 48-chapter book of prophecy of the Lord speaking to Ezekiel. And it's very, there's lots of imagery. There's lots of symbolism. There's lots of things that are hard to understand, which is, which is true about most prophecies. I always think about it like a dream. If you've ever had a dream, like in, when you have the dream and you try to share it with someone, it makes sense to you. But then you try to share it and you're like, wait, this doesn't make sense. So I was outside but we were inside. It was you, but it wasn't you. And like to you, you experienced a dream, so it makes sense. And the person's like, okay, you're crazy. So prophet, that sometimes they can be a little bit like that. And so Ezekiel is this prophet, and a lot happens in the book. So chapter 47 is right at the end. And uh, as I asked Shay to kind of read and tell me her thoughts, uh, it can be a bit of a rabbit hole. 
And so Shay started going down the rabbit hole and she's like, well, this happens and this happens and the building the temple and it, 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 it lines up with how, you know, God's on the build the temple and then Revelation 22 and all these sort of things. So she got deep in the rabbit hole and I'm like, that is really good, but I can't possibly share all that. So I encourage you to take time. If you love this and uh, are interested, there's lots of great resources out there for you to read on Ezekiel. Maybe we should just do the whole book sometime. But so he's a prophet. And in chapter 40, God, this is God speaking to Ezekiel. He's having a vision. In chapter 40, something happens is that Ezekiel meets this man. And again, this is, you've got to kind of open your mind up. This is God communicating through him to his people. And so Ezekiel is there in chapter 40. He meets this man. And it's, it's this man that we're going to, he's like a tour guide. And he basically, from chapter 40 on through 48, this man takes Ezekiel on this journey and he shows him the temple and he's overlooking the city and he shows him this river, which is what we're going to be talking about. And he's like this tour guide and he's, the, he's a bronze man. And I know that sounds weird. And he has a measuring tape. In Ezekiel chapter 40, it says this, in visions of God, he took me by the, uh, to the land. This is God. He took me to the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain on whose south side were some buildings that looked like a city. Verse three, he took me there and I saw, and this is in chapter 40, not in 47. Uh, he took me there and I saw a man whose appearance was like bronze. He was standing in the gateway with a linen cord and a measuring rod in your hand. So here he is and there's this man there and he's, he's not made of bronze, Scripture says, Ezekiel writes that he's a man like bronze. And this is very common wording in prophecy. So if you look at like Revelation, uh, like in, in, the, the, in Revelation when, when God reveals these, the, the, these things to John, um, he uses this same language. So he says he's not bronze, but he's like bronze. In Revelation 4, it says, the voice that I had first heard was speaking to me like a trumpet. It doesn't mean that the voice was a trumpet. It was like that. He's using words to describe. He goes on to say, in front there was a throne is what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And so when, when they use this language, what's happening is they're trying to articulate what they're seeing. And there's not language to properly say what they're seeing. So when he's saying he looked like bronze and his in his human brokenness in his flesh, that's the best he can understand the way this man looks. So it's with this bronze-looking guy who's like a tour guy, and he takes him on this tour. And so that's where we pick up in Ezekiel chapter 47. And before I go on anymore, I'm going to pray real quick. And just, uh, again, I just want to encourage you just in this moment as we pray, just take a, a, a minute to think about your faith. And I believe that this scripture is powerful and I believe that the words here are enough. So I'm gonna to try to read through it slowly. I don't have a lot of words. I mean, I always have a lot of words, but I don't have a lot of words by this. I think this scripture speaks for itself. And so let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this morning, God. I thank you that we see flourishing in Jessica Wright. I thank you that I see flourishing in this room. God, I think that you, I thank you, Lord, that you see it too, that you see it in us. However small, however insignificant it may be for us, Jesus, you see it. And I thank you for that, God. I think you are the one that makes it grow. Regardless of how it's planted, regardless of how it's watered, 
Jesus, that you make it grow. I pray for this morning for us, God, as we open up your word and read through Ezekiel 47, Jesus, that you just speak to us. You speak to our hearts. You give us a a perspective of how you're calling us to flourish in our faith, how you're calling us to flourish as a church. God, help us to set out any agenda that we want from that or how we think that should look. God, and just trust you and have faith in you for that. God, I pray that you speak through your word. God, that you give me boldness and confidence to to point to you. God, that you would humble me. God, that you would amplify your voice and not mine. We thank you for your word. God, that cuts deeper than bone and marrow to our very spirit and our very heart. I pray that you do that this morning. Pray these things in your name. Amen. So as, as I mentioned, this tour guide, this bronze man has taken him. And, and so now he's taken to the temple and uh, he talks about this river. And so in verse, uh, I'm going to read through it all. And then we're going to go back through and I have a few things I'd like to share. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 47 says, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. The man being the bronze man, the, the bronze man, the, the tour guide. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward, With a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. Verse four, he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large number of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Eglium. Uh, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kind, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kind will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And I love just, I mean, what a beautiful picture and image and it speaks to me. If you know, I, I share. I try to share about my life. And I love, I grew up on the Frio River. It is literally just like the country song 
All my exes live in Texas. It's literally where I learned to swim. My grandmother, who's here this morning, she, they, she started bringing our family there in 1958. And we've been going to Garner State Park in the Freer River every summer since. And I get to enjoy that with my kids. And so, man, there's something about like the Frio to me that is just, it's spiritual. It, it's, it's nostalgic. It reminds me of who I am, of where I've come from. And so when I read this, that's what I picture. I just, I think about that river and, and just how uh, cold it runs and how clear it runs. And, and it's, I just, I, you know, if you're like me, I get this image in my mind of what this looks like. And so when we think about this in the context of our faith, um, there's a few things that I want to point out and I think are really important for us. And so the first is this is the first thing about this river that I think is significant and that I notice is that it starts with a trickle. The first thing I see is that it starts with a trickle. In verse two, it says, and then he brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. And I think that this is a perfect image of how God works, is that God is a God that works in a trickle right, is, is that this example and this idea of him being a spring, right, he's slow, he's consistent, he's gentle, he's constant, he's trustworthy, he's faithful. And I think that this is, this is interesting that that's how this image starts, that it becomes this raging river, but where it starts from the temple, from the house of God, where God's presence is, it's just a trickle. And so many times in our lives, we think about where we are in our faith or where our faith begins. And we think about um, a lot of times it begins with a trickle. And if you're here this morning and you're listening online or, or wherever you are, and you, are, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that you're not there yet, I want you to know that the Lord is, he works like a trickle. He's slow, he's consistent, he's gentle. Whereas the opposite is very different than, than man. And man usually works, man is loud and he's brash and man is attention seeking. Now, as a kid, we went to uh, Yellowstone National Park and we went and saw Old Faithful, right? And man, that thing is, it's amazing is that you can stand there and watch it and on the minute, every minute, on every hour, man, that thing goes off. And that is not a trickle. That is a geyser and it bursts from the ground and it's hot and it's impressive. And that's a lot of times I think that's how God should work. Right? He should be like, boom. I mean, he just, you know, come into a room and, and move in a mighty and powerful and a gushing way. And, and like, we think that that's how God should work. And not to say that he doesn't. God works in many different ways. But a lot of times, God works as a trickle and not a geyser. Right? Because you look at that geyser, you look at Old Faithful. And what doesn't grow there is there's no fish there. There's no trees growing right on that geyser because they're blown out of the water. And so we, we uh, as we ended out 2019, we had a prayer service and we did this activity where we planted plants. And so I, I hope and pray that your plant and that prayer for you for 2020 is growing. Ours are at home. And so I planted some of those in this garden that we have. And so I planted it there. Uh, and, and just there were little buds. I don't know if they're lettuce or spinach, but I put them in this garden that we had. And then we got all the rain this past week. And I want you to know it kind of washed it out, which is sad because I'm like, these are my prayers for 2020. They mean washed out. So I'm not going to think too much into that. But it's kind of like it washed it out. It was too much water. So I want you to know, and I think it's a beautiful imagery that the Lord starts with the trickle, which is slow and consistent. And that's what the Frio River is. 
Frio River is a spring-fed river that doesn't rely on runoff. It comes from the ground, and it's cold, and it's clear, and it's a trickle. In Zechariah chapter 4, says this. It says, who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. And we've all heard that idea and that image of who despises, who begrudges things of small beginnings. And so I want you to think about your life and think about you and what is God starting in you that's small? What is it that's small that's a trickle in your life? And you may think, man, I I want more than that, Jesus. I want more than a trickle. I I want a geyser. I want to change. And God is doing that. He is transforming you. But do we begrudge those things? Do we begrudge those small beginnings? And I've found in me to to not be someone that begrudges small beginnings in my own life. And in fact, I celebrate them because I am a pastor of a church. And guess what? I am not qualified to stand up here and to speak and to open God's word. I'm not qualified. I get the question all the time when I meet people and the, the inevitable, you know, Oh, what do you do? Where do you work? I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. And the people are like, oh, that's awesome. Where'd you go to seminary? I'm like, well, University of Texas, geography major, 2006, 2.1 GPA. I mean, that's my seminary. That's right. (laughs) Acts 4 says that those men that were with Jesus, he calls them untrained, ordinary men who've been with Jesus. And I identify with that. And so I was talking with Brian Burns this last week, and he said, man, don't put yourself down. He says, you're a great pastor. God's called you. You're gifted. And, and I can be tempted to do that in my insecurity. But at the same time, I think it's important to celebrate where God's brought us from. And I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm so thankful of, of how he's done that in my life. It's how, how it took a long time for him to call me to where I am. And he used all those sort of things. And I want you to know that back in that room where Denise is meeting with our children, that matters as much as what happens in here. That is a trickle. And we will not begrudge the small beginnings that's happening back there. Man, you want to you see something sweet and beautiful, let your kids go sit and vessel kids for a month and let them come and tell you their memory verse. Those preschoolers, it's adorable. I mean, it's so precious. And so I just want to encourage you for that and allow that for yourself to know that God is starting something in you. God is doing something in you, even if it feels like a trickle. And God, that's just, that's God's style. That's the style of the Lord. King David, and he was the youngest brother. He, the scripture calls him ruddy. And God called him as he was sitting in a field watching over the flock. Man, he didn't grow up in some palace. He didn't start as, as you know, some prince of the kingdom. And he called the greatest king that we know in scripture, King David, that way. Look at Moses. Moses was a man that was a, a murderer and he was a coward and he was running and he, he had a stuttering problem. And God used him, small beginnings. The disciples, these guys are not, they're not the Pharisees. They're not educated and smart and wealthy and powerful. They're fishermen and they're tax collectors and they're teenagers. And small beginnings, just a trickle is where it starts. Look at Jesus, not born in a palace, not riding in on a white horse, but, but born in a manger. 
just a trickle. So I think that's important in this scripture. Second thing that I notice here is not only does this, this river start with a trickle, but you'll notice with this river, depth comes from distance. That depth comes from distance. So not only does it start with the trickle, but as that trickle goes outward, it gets deeper. And I want you to know that is miraculous. That is miraculous. Do you understand that just a trickle coming out from a temple, coming from a spot, turning into a raging river, this is a miraculous river. This is the opposite of everything that we've learned from potomology. Are y'all impressed? I learned that. Potomology is literally the study of rivers. So now you have an SAT word. Potomology, the study of rivers. But everything we know from science is that's the opposite of what is possible and what is true. Scripture doesn't say there's no tributaries. There's nothing else dumping into this river. It's not a convergence of many trickles. There's one trickle. And where the river should get smaller, the river gets deeper as they go out. And it says this. It says, the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand. He measured off a 1,000 cubits which is about a third of a mile, that's distance-wise. So walking out away from the temple, away from the temple. And he led me through water that was ankle deep, that was up to his ankles. They continue on. He measured off another thousand cubits, another third of the mile. They're two-thirds out from the temple now. And he led me through water that was knee-deep. I don't know, I, uh, Shay and I, we, she, we've got family that have a place in Colorado, and we go there in the summer sometimes, and I go and be a wannabe fly fisherman. Uh, and so, you know, you walk down the river, and you think, man, I'm, I'm like ankle deep trying to fish. I'm like, fish can't swim in this, right? The water's like right here. I was like, there's no way there's fish in this. I got to get deeper. So I'll go out, and I'll start walking in the, to where the water is up to my knees. And I'm, I'm telling you, there's power in that water. And I feel like a fool that's going to knock me over. And I'm, I'm trying to fish, and then I'll catch something. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. i got a fish on the line. i got all this line out. I can barely stand in the water. But he leads them out, and he's leading them deeper into water. It starts with ankle deep, and as it gets out another 1,000 cubits, it gets knee deep. Continues on. He measures off another 1,000 and led me through water that was up to the waist. Verse 5, he measured off another 1,000, another uh, third of a mile. But now it is a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. Man, isn't that incredible and miraculous? That from a trickle going into the Kidron Valley, into, into, the, the, into the Dead Sea, the Jordan Rift Valley, the driest, deadest, one of the most arid places in the world, that instead of the ground soaking that up and taking that water up, it multiplies itself. As it gets further away from the temple, it multiplies. As it goes further out, it flourishes and it grows. And if you were here last week, we talked about us being a vine. And we talked about vines grow where? They grow horizontal. They grow outward. And I'm telling you, church, that God is calling us to flourish, not for our own sake, but for the sake of the world. And that does not happen in this room. That happens out there. The water did not trickle out of the temple and build a lake. But the water trickled out of the temple and built a river that goes outward. See, my wife is different than me. I grew up on the river, and we floated the river, and we, we swam. And, and I like nice, clean river water. My wife grew up, uh, her grandparents lived on the lake. 
Eagle Mountain Lake. And it is brown, and it is not a river with a muddy bottom, and I don't like it as much. And so we go there, and I don't really want to get in the water. It's gross, but it's a lake. It's not a river. So that's not what the Lord did. It's not trickling out and building this massive, beautiful river, but it's going outward. It's going outward. And I think that's a beautiful imagery. And the problem that we have and some of our struggle, and I think that hopefully you can relate to this as I have, is that our flesh calls us towards self-preservation and ease. That you see a trickle is a great starting point. But the problem is, is that some of us never leave that trickle. That we stay there and we're satisfied with that. We're satisfied with ankle deep water. We may even be satisfied with knee deep water. That's far enough. I have this great picture that I should have brought this morning, but it's of Sloan, our, our oldest. And it's one of my favorite pictures of her. And she is in our backyard in our old house. And she's just a baby and she's in a kiddie pool. And she's standing there and she's got the big smile on her face and she's in ankle deep water. And that is cute for a two-year-old. I love that picture because that's, that's cute of her as a two-year-old. We have in our, in, our, in our bathroom, by our bathtub, we have three pictures of each of our kids while they're in the bathtub. And I mean, it's just this cute, and they're babies, and they're smiling. And I love to remember that. But you know what's not cute? A picture of me standing in a baby pool, smiling big. No one likes that. No one thinks that's cute. If I post that on social media, I put Sloan on, on Instagram, people are like, oh, cute, I love her, oh, adorable. What about me with some floaties on? No, it's gonna be quiet and crickets, right? But you laugh about that, but that's where some of us are, is that we're satisfied with enough because our flesh wars against that. Our flesh wars against the spirit. Scripture says that your spirit and your flesh are in they're in competition with one another. They, they do not coexist. When you give into the flesh, it starves your spirit. When you give into the spirit, it starves your flesh. And the problem is, is that some of us are satisfied and are content with the trickle. That we are like my daughter that are standing in a baby pool, ankle deep, because that's deep enough. That's enough Jesus in my life. And I want you to know the further they go out, the deeper it becomes. So as you think about your own faith and where you are, once you think about that depth, where are you when it comes to debt? Don't begrudge small beginnings. Don't begrudge the trickle. But what is deeper? Where is God calling you? So not only is this river, not only does it start with a trickle, not only does depth come with distance, but the last thing I noticed, which I think is really important that we're going to close with this morning, is that this river, as it goes out, the river overcomes death with life. It overcomes death with life. In verse eight, he said to me, he says, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Now, I don't know if you know much about the Dead Sea. Again, last weekend, we sent a missionary out and we, we, um, we sent her out and prayed over her, which this is the Jordan Rift Valley. She's going to do ministry in Jordan, uh, right up next against the Dead Sea. And it's funny, somebody asked me, I don't think they knew geography. I mean, I was a geography major, but I mean, I had to look on a map to know where she's going. But they asked me like, oh, is it nice there in Jordan? Is there any waterfront? I was like, well, the Dead Sea, but I don't know if that is very tropical or that counts. And the Dead Sea, if you don't know, in the, the Kidron Valley, in the Jordan Rift Valley, it, is, uh, it gets its name 
being the Dead Sea because it's a dead sea, right? That's how it gets its clever name, is that it is dead. It is void of life. And that is where the river is flowing. That is flowing from this temple towards the Dead Sea. It is the lowest place on earth. It's the lowest place on earth. It's 1,400 feet below sea level. That the Dead Sea, the salt water in the Dead Sea is 9.6 times saltier than the ocean. And literally nothing can live there. Nothing can live there. And, and in fact, I read an article that said that the Dead Sea is becoming more dead, if that even makes sense. They said that now it's at the point where bacteria is not even measurable amounts. Like, yes, there may be some bacteria there, but it's not even measurable. That's becoming more dead. And I think, you know, this image of this water trickling out, becoming this raging river, and what's it flowing towards? The Dead Sea. And it says that, that it becomes life. And I think, you know, if I'm writing, if I'm doing scripture, if it's my prophecy, I'm going to say, like Texas, like the Frio River, that's a lot better than the Jordan Rift Valley, that there's nothing there. But that's not what scripture says. It says it goes towards the Dead Sea. And this is, listen to what it says, what happens when it gets there. It says, when it empties into the sea, the Dead Sea, the salt water there becomes fresh. That is miraculous. Salt water becoming fresh. If you mix fresh water and salt water, what do you get? Salt water, right? It's not a trick question. It's a contaminant. It's a contaminant. You don't take something that's pure and something that's contaminated and put them together and it becomes pure. A contaminant contaminates everything. And that's what sin is in our life. When we sin, it contaminates who we are. And we can do everything we want and we can try as hard as we can to get that out of our life. We can try to live righteous. We can try to, try to do the right thing. We can try to read our Bible and scripture. But there, we can't get that out of us. Only by the blood of Jesus Christ does, do we become pure and clean and holy and forgiven and innocent of our sins. And that's what's happening here. That's this image is that fresh water is overtaking the salt water. That it's becoming life where there was death before. It says that when it empties into the sea, the salt water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. Swarms of living creatures. Now you should look when you get home. Your homework is to Google a picture of the Dead Sea. Now you tell me if there's any swarm of any life that is there. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes salt water fresh. So whether the river flows, everything will live. Where the river flows, there's life. Verse 12 says, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the rivers. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit, their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And I want you to know that that's what the Lord is, wants to do in our lives. That's what he wants to do with our church. And when we talk about flourish, that's what it looks like. And so as we close this morning, I'm going to call the worship team back up. Uh, they're going to close us with a song. I'm just going to give you some applications, some simple kind of things to do as we walk away. First and foremost is, man, think about your depth. Just consider that, Lord, where are, where am I? And this isn't, God's not calling you to strive harder. God's not calling you to work harder. But God is, wants to deepen your faith. 
right? And God's doing that with Shay and I. And, and that, that's one thing that, I, that I've noticed is we've stepped out in faith in a significant big way during this, even this season. That we're, we're, we're going into this deeper depth of faith when it comes to Jesus. Is that, and you know how I know? You want to know how I know that it's working? It's because Shay and I bickered all week, right? If you're in a marriage, you know how that goes, right? We're on vacation together and we were bickering in the car, right? You start to have growth in your life and the enemy starts to attack. And so, man, like, that's what the Lord's doing with us. So think about your death and think about where God's calling you. The second thing I want to encourage you, just application, is to, to get wet, right? To get wet. When, he, when, the, when the bronze man, the guy, when he led him, where did he lead him? He didn't lead him into the banks. He led him into the water. Do you understand? He led him into the water where his ankle deep, where his knee deep, where his waist deep. And then he led him back to the banks before they looked at the, the trees that were growing there. And so many of us are satisfied with watching. Watching is not swimming. I get it. You don't want to get your socks wet. It might be cold. Whatever your reason is. You got a million reasons not to get in the water. I get it. I get it. But I want to encourage you to get wet. If you are here this morning and you have never been baptized as a proclamation of your faith in Jesus Christ, as a decision that you have made, get baptized. I cannot tell you how significant that is. It is not magical. There's not something, you know, that the heavens don't open up and a dove come down. That happened with Jesus. It's not going to happen with you. But it's significant and it's meaningful. And it is a step of faith into the water, literally. Literally. And I'm telling you that when I was baptized at, at two, gosh, I wasn't, I was probably 30, 30 something years old, when I got baptized, I'm telling you that's when the Lord brought me into ministry. That's when God called me into ministry at that moment. And I'm not trying to suggest or say that, oh, you're going to get baptized and now everything's going to go right or you're going to get called into ministry or whatever it is. But I'm telling you, there's steps that you can take to get wet. If God's calling, if you've been in ankle deep water and you're sitting on the shore and it looks too deep, get in the river. Wherever it is, take a step of faith. Reach out to someone that, that you know doesn't know Jesus. Begin a relationship. Begin a conversation. If you're, if you're not plugged into the body of Christ, Church is broken, full of people that are broken, and you ain't going to find the perfect church. But the bride of Christ is perfect, and get involved. Find somewhere where God is calling you so that you can flourish. And the last thing I want to encourage you to do this morning is to look at the fruit. Just like I looked at Jessica this morning, and I can see it in her, to look around and find a moment of where the fruit is in your life. I picked up my grandmother this morning, and me, her, and my daughter rode in the car here this morning, and she just said, can you believe how blessed we are? God, can you believe how blessed our lives are? Man, at 90 years old next month, February 20th, and to have that perspective in your life, to look around and say, man, look at the fruit in my life. Look at how God, look at what he's done. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's always fun. It doesn't mean that, that it's always easy and obvious to see. But take a step back on the bank and look at what's happening. Look at the fish. Look at the people that God's put in your lives. We thank you for listening today and pray that you are blessed by this message. We invite you to join with us on Sundays or connect with us at our website, vessel.church.